This episode is brought to you by NordVPN. Listen up, nerds. No. Good evening, Mr. and Mrs. America, from border to border and coast to coast and all the ships at sea. What? Hello, friends. Do you have a computer? Of course you do, because it's not 1987. Hell, you're listening to this on some kind of computer right now. But do you have a VPN? Oh, (laughs) what's a VPN, you ask? Well, my friend, a VPN is a virtual private network and it offers two key benefits. Enhanced privacy and security online. But VPNs do a lot more than that. VPNs shield your IP address, change your browsing location, and make online life easier. It's all about safety and security, my friends. But, like everything else in life, it's also about watching TV. Don't let your paid subscriptions go to waste. I use NordVPN to access my home content while I'm traveling. Wink, wink. Plus, secure your connection on public Wi-Fi in airports, hotels, cafes, anywhere you go when you're traveling. There's over 6,300 servers in 111 countries, and you can find a nearby server for the best VPN speeds. NordVPN is easy to use. Connect with one click or enable auto-connect for zero-click protection. And it's got amazing speed. NordVPN is one of the fastest VPNs out there. And with just one NordVPN account, you can use it on six devices. It supports every major platform, Windows, Android, iOS, Mac OS, Linux, even Android TV. I think those are all real. Don't miss out on all the awesome benefits for using a VPN. Go to nordvpn.com ifanboy today for a risk-free 30-day money-back guarantee. The link's in the show notes. Once again, that's nordvpn.com ifanboy. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Um, you ever feel like you really need to get something off your chest? This is this this is a, like a real thing. Like, if you're mad, if you're upset, if uh, if there's something going on, like the I, there's there's often for me an idea. Maybe it's a wrong. Maybe it's a moment. It's it's an injustice. It's something that because you, you keep going on and on over and over in your mind about it, and like that can create anger and resentment or shame, whatever it is. And very often. I have found, I am not a therapist, I have found that when you let it out, when you give it voice, when you say it out loud, um, sometimes it makes you feel better because you've, you've expressed it. And sometimes it makes you realize like, oh, this is not a big deal that I've, it's been stuck in my head. So you give voice to those things um, and it can make you feel a lot better. And shock of all shocks, therapy is one of those things that can help you do that. It can help you be able to say those things in a place where you don't need to worry about the repercussions of it, work your way through it, uh, figure out coping skills, how to get around it, you know, find, find ways to deal with that stuff instead of letting it fester. Um, if you are thinking of starting therapy, uh, if anything I said sounds familiar, you're like, oh, maybe my life would be a little better if I could deal with that kind of thing. You should give BetterHelp a try. It's fully online. It is convenient, flexible. It is suited to your schedule. That's the idea. That's what they're going for. Um, you can fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist. That's a big deal. You can switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. That that personal connection, I believe, to be super important. Again, I'm not a professional. Uh, get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash iFanboy today. You get 10% off your first month. That is BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash iFanboy. You are listening to iFanboy's Pick of the Week podcast, episode 198, sponsored by DCBS, Netflix, and iFanboy members just like you. there you are listening to the ifanboy.com pick of the week podcast this is episode 198 i am josh flanagan i am here with ron richards we're coming to you from the south apparently just for the very beginning (laughs) and uh connor kilpatrick hello hello ifanboy.com is our website how you doing uh we (laughs) we talk about is everything okay you've been good is that thing taken care of okay good good it's good to hear listen we should talk we should talk after Uh, the show after the show show. okay good i'll give you the i'll give you the update oh so good and your mom is your mom good yeah she's good oh so good good. That thing she she had before it's just cleared up. So I was worried about I was talking to my aunt about yeah. that. And oh, funny story. I right. <laughs> i is a website about comic books that we made all by ourselves, and we read comic books. We write about them. It shows up on. I've been watching Friday Night Lights. <laughs> so, 
Apparently, I'm Texan. Uh, we write about the comic books. Every week, one of us has to choose what they think is the best issue that they read that week. We call that the pick of the week. There's a review that goes up on Wednesday night, and then we come here. We talk about that book on this show and other books from the week that we want to talk about, and then uh, some other things. Law enforcement later. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, before we get going, let you know we'll be talking about the books that came out this, this past week. So if there, we're going to be talking about what happens in them, so you could consider that a spoiler. If you don't want that to happen, then uh, read your books, come back, and, uh, and uh, then uh, enjoy the show. And so you are warned. Ron, you were on duty this week. I was on duty. I was on uh, the pick of the week duty, and it was, a, um, it was, it was, a, it was an all right week. I, had a, I bought about 11 books, so it was a, you know, not a huge load, but, uh, but enough to pull from. <laughs> but um, but at, the, at the end of the day, at the end of the night, uh, the first book I read ended up being the pick of the week, which was Daredevil number 500. Um, and for those of you, you know, a lot of you probably have noticed this, but this year has been a special year for Marvel. They, for whatever, I don't, I was thinking about it the other day, like, I don't know what the, I don't, buy it. I don't know what the Marvel 70th anniversary has, like, why not celebrate the 60th anniversary or the 80th, like why 70? But then I also realized that it happens that a lot of their books, if they do the renumbering thing, end up on these milestone issues. So maybe they realize that and that's why they're doing it. I don't know what their motivations are, but we've gotten a lot of the main, you know, like historically legacy books at Marvel, you know, like we had Spider-Man 600 a couple weeks ago, and we had Captain America 600, and Thor, was it Thor 500 or? Six. Thor was 600, yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it was, uh, you know, kind of big deals, and, and they've been, and honestly, they've been hit or miss. Like, I've heard, you know, bad things about the Thor book. I didn't read it, but um, from what I heard, the, Th- the Thor one wasn't very good. Um, but then the Spider-Man one we was, I think, the pick of the week as well. We really enjoyed that. Um, this week, probably, of all the... Five or six hundred, you know, the five hundredth or six hundredth issue, you know, kind of celebratory issue. Daredevil five hundred stands on the top of the best of those books, and on top of that, it stood as the best, you know, single issue of the week. But also in terms of wrapping up Brubaker's run on Daredevil, and mm. as I mentioned on the in, in the review on ifanboy.com, um, you know, it's Daredevil. You know, it's funny because the two things that, that made me laugh after picking this was I think we were in San Diego when somebody was just like, "What? Where, where's the next issue of Daredevil?" Yep. <laughs> and so this probably explains it in the you know I don't even know how many pages this 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 is, but it's a fat fat book. Um, so that probably explains the delay. But then also this year Daredevil's been all right. You know, it's been you know we we make you know make lots of jokes about Mopey Matt Murdock and his you know and the and how the guy can never be happy and the and it just kind of is getting to be more of the same. But well, well, in a way, I mean, I think that the year before was a lot worse, and I think that when we saw the ladies, the Lady Bullseye arc was really good, and the Return of the King was really good, but none of it felt like it did. But yeah. it's been on an upswing. I, I think that that's definitely yeah. Well, I think I think generally though, it hasn't been the it hasn't been the Daredevil of, of old, which has been you know what you know, and, and maybe and again maybe it's it's because of this just the repetitive kind of nature the nature of the story, or I, I don't know. All I know is that um, is that I forgot. All about that, and I forgot about the delay. I forgot about everything. Maybe about two or three pages into this book, and I don't know what it was about uh, about the particular issue, the main story, uh, the the conclusion of the Return of the King. Um, but there was just something about how the book started with a fast momentum, and I quickly realized that Brubaker was wrapping up. Not wrapping up storylines, but tying all the storylines together to conclude this story, and he did it in a really kind of um, uh, a really kind of elegant kind of way. You know, he mixed in flashbacks and mixed mixed in um, giving us information that, that we didn't have previously before, but not in an annoying kind of hacky kind of way, but in a way to give the story context to get to make people understand what is happening and why and all that sort of thing. Um, and ultimately, you know, we find out a lot more about the mysterious sensei Izo that he's been working that that. Uh, uh, Daredevil's been working with. We find out that he, you know, he, um, uh, you know, has been, you know, he. It starts off with him, you know, in Japan hundreds of years ago, um, you know, and, and you see that there's a connection to him in the hand, and then it bounces back to the present day, and then we bounce back and we see him working with Stick, and you know, like, and so it, it gave a lot of more context as to who this Izo guy was and how much of the manipulation that he's been doing of Daredevil and how much of you know, kind of, you know, moving chess pieces on the board. Um, there's a great twist, you know, in that, you know, the hand is coming after Daredevil and we think that, you know, the hand has gotten, you know, the white tiger and the black tarantula, but we find out that black tarantula was, you know, deeply undercover and was actually on the, on 
the on Daredevil and Izo's side, and you know, just twists and turns throughout the entire issue, all building up to the the big finale, which is where you know where uh, the Kingpin is trying to assert to take leadership of the hand, and Daredevil and Izo come in and 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 to spoil the end of the issue, and and this is the you know to to um, throw back to you know we talked about when Bendis left the book and he left you know he handed Brubaker a book where Daredevil was in jail. Um, which is which is significant for us in this show because I remember one of the conversations that we had a lot early on when we were doing this podcast is we were getting to the end of Bendis's run and we thought I don't know who's going to get this next. Yep. But they are just effed. Yep. And so and, and again and so and so Brubaker does it to Andy Diggle where it basically the book ends with Daredevil taking leadership of the hand <laughs> and 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 abandoning his former life. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. So, um, um, so I don't know what that means. I don't know I, what you know wh- whether that what that you know what what direction that can go in. It seems really really interesting when you think about it. But um, oh, I was just really happy with it. And it's funny because it just it makes me feel like this would be a great tradition. Yeah, people to do a four or five year run, and then at the end of it, just go, well, "Here's what I did. Have fun," and like run in the other room. Yep. You know, it's great. Um, but yeah, no. But the issue was great, and, I, and it just really made me. It really made me appreciate both not only Brubaker's run, but Bendis's run before that, Kevin Smith's run before that. It made me realize that you know I've been reading Daredevil for over ten years now, um, and I and very rarely have I complained about it. You know, and how especially you know starting off with Bendis and Malieve, but then leading into Michael Lark and, and Brubaker, how just the visual style of this book is like no other book I read, and how it's been kept. You know, each artist that's worked on it has put his own little touch to it, but it's kept generally um, consistent for the entire run, which is no small feat. I was gonna say, like, I, I was reading this this issue, and and just for the record, I, I I felt exactly the same way that you did. Like, I was a few pages into, it and I was like, is it just me, or am I? Am I really enjoying this? Right, yeah, like, that, that I, the same I, realization I, I had, totally. Yeah. And and I and I, I I like I felt the need that you may have seen my tweet earlier. Like I was, like, Michael Lark is one of the greatest guys working today. Like his pages are amazing. Like the, like from a storytelling standpoint, and like the way that he puts things together, and the fact that they're also beautiful. I mean, they're yeah. they're just great pages. I, I was just I was just looking at the way that that they were all put together, and and he's such a huge talent, and he's not really a household name. But for a little bit, then I got excited that i was like oh he's gonna, we're gonna get to see him do something else yeah and that what a, what a, I, I can't imagine what that could be and and i like the possibilities of all the different things that we could see him do yeah um but so yeah so the the, the issue was a was a 499 issue which you know is, is a little a little expensive but i like i say and this is the best of the oversized issues because no complaints at all i mean after the main story we get a preview of andy diggle and billy tan's uh, Dare, uh dark rain daredevil the, the list uh, one shot, Ooh. yeah, whatever. But um, but then beyond that, you just get a, a an amazingly wonderful um, story on its own. You know, not you know, not in continuity, just kind of a little slice of life story of uh, of Daredevil called Three Jacks by Anna Senti and, and David Aja. And Anna Senti, for those who don't know, is, is she she's totally underrated in her role in Daredevil's kind of legacy and history. She wrote the book, um, I think, after Frank Miller. Yes, that's um, what I, yeah. yeah, and um, and she showed she just and I don't think she's been writing a lot of comics recently. She's been I, last I heard she was working for High Times, but anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> but she comes in and just delivers this great story. And David Aja's art was just beautiful, um, <laughs> totally just like like a, 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 between the layouts and the characters and just everything was just like the, like I almost like I almost like the story as much uh, as much if not more than the main story. Um, some beautiful pinups, um, including the Raphael Grandpa one that I gushed about on the site. Um, and then we get a reprint, and everybody kind of bitches and moans about these reprints, but the reprint uh, is probably uh, one, uh, of, one of the best Daredevil issues ever. If you're um, going to do a reprint. Yeah. Uh, Daredevil number 191 by Frank Miller, and this is the classic um, Daredevil with a gun uh, talking to a comatose bullseye in the hospital and dealing in, and trying to decide whether or not he's going to kill himself or kill bullseye or kill who. And with the classic, you know, last page with the, my bullet has no guns, has no bullets. My gun has no bullets. Sorry. Um, I mean, just you, you don't get any better than this. So um, totally loved it. Totally loved it. I think it served as a reminder of how good the series used to be and how, what, how, even though it was on an upswing, it was really on a low end of the upswing by yeah. the end of it. And I don't, I don't know. I think I kind of capped off my own involvement in the series with this issue. I'm not sure if I'm going to continue anymore. Well, yeah, that's what I kind of said in the review. I said I don't, you know, like I've been reading this book for ten years. I've loved it. I don't know whether I'm going to stick with Diggle or not. Um, not nothing against Andy Diggle. I really like him. I'll, I'll probably check out, you know, check out the first couple issues, but I'm, I'm teetering. 
you know. Yeah. Diggle for me has been very. I hate to use the word hit or miss, but it works. I mean, I, I absolutely love The Losers. It's one of my favorite sort of graphic novel stories. Um, and I, I really lo- I loved his Hellblazer stuff. But his Marvel stuff hasn't really uh, tickled me in the way that I'd hoped it would. Yeah. Uh, but, but maybe, you know, it's, it's funny because Daredevil is a different type of character. Um, and I, I find that people who, can, who do a really good job on that, you know, like it's a very different kind of thing that you're doing with – all he's all that Diggle's had to work with is the Thunderbolts and the and the bad guys and the Dark Reign and all that stuff. Although this is actually kind of similar to that, and that now Matt is the head of the Hand, right? Which is a bunch of bad guys, right? You know, a bunch of ninjas. So um, it'll be it'll be interesting to see what happens. I'm I'm gonna stick with it for a while unless unless I find myself being irritated with it. Which is probably a fair thing to do, um, <laughs> but yeah, I just don't know where where like I'm, I am curious about where he can take the idea of him leading the Hand because are they going to be are they going to continue to be a bunch of bad guys, or is he going to turn them to be good? You know, like is he going to use them for the, a force of good? I don't, I don't know. Um, but yeah, well, it's one of the, one of those things about Daredevil is that sometimes you see him be forced to make choices that a lot of the other heroes don't tend to be stuck with. Like he, you know, is he going to do the bad thing for the greater good or something like that? And Daredevil is a really great character for that because he seems to skirt that line a little more than, than other people. You know, for Spider Man, there's no question you always do the thing. You know, that's that's 100 percent forthright. And for Daredevil. It can go either way a little bit. Yeah. So so either way, it's totally bang for your buck, four ninety nine. Um well, I was just looking at the pinup by Jeff Darrow, which is just amazing. Um mm. so yeah, good stuff. So um so but this wasn't the only milestone book this week. Oh my god, RG six hundred came out this week. With no irony whatsoever, right? No irony whatsoever. I haven't read an Archie book probably since junior high school, but there was a time when I bought as much or as more Archie than I did, you know, DC or Marvel books. Yep. When I was a kid, I bought those digests at the supermarket all the time. Yeah. Hey, Archie. Archie's a, a American pop culture icon. And a and a huge seller. They sell yeah. tons of books. Yeah. Um. So this is the 600 of this issue. I bought it because this is the big uh, marriage proposal issue. The cover is Archie slipping a ring on Veronica's finger as Betty cries, and and Jughead goes, "Whoa!" <laughs> so um, so he picked Veronica. Well, so what what happens is this, the issue is op- the issue opens up on the, the eve of high school graduation, and Archie's band is playing at the party, and everybody's all being Archie. Now, these are these new realistic look books. No, right? no, no. Oh. These are the old. School oh, books. these are old. That's, school? A, whole, okay. that's a separate line. There's a okay. separate line of Archie books that are drawn realistically, which actually okay. look interesting. But um, so Archie goes home, and he hasn't picked a college yet, which is strange because they're about to graduate. <laughs> um, which seems to be a miscalculation, but uh, kind of go to old RCC Riverdale Community College. Apparently, <laughs> well, Dad's like you can't put this off any longer. He hands him all the college brochures, and I'm just that's something you should have done a year ago. Um, so he goes to Memory Lane to take a walk, and he walks down Memory Lane, and he all sees he sees events from the past, and then he goes, "I've never walked up Memory Lane. I wonder what I'll see there." So then he walks up Memory Lane, and that's where we get the story where he's oh, suddenly so, older. So it's a flash forward. Yes, so he's, oh. he's he's older. He's graduated from college suddenly, and um, Betty's going to New York, and Veronica's going to uh, over. She's going to London, I think, and and Jughead is the only one staying in town, and and um, he chooses uh, he chooses Veronica for some strange reason. Because she's that hot, cold, yeah, bitch, dark hair. Um, <laughs> and literally, all the only, only thing I know, the, the, literally, all I know is that Veronica's the dark-haired one, right? Yeah. She's the dark that's all I know. I yeah, so she's, the rich, she's the rich bitch, and as opposed to the girl next door. <laughs> and um, it was—it's a lot of like you know, Jughead's all mad because no one's no one's staying in Riverdale, and he's he's staying by himself, and oh. Betty's all heartbroken, and and it's it was classic Archie. The only difference I saw was that Jughead now wore cargo pants and a hoodie. <laughs> Everything oh else is pretty. He dresses exactly like Ultimate Peter Parker. Yeah, so everything else was pretty much you could you, you could have read this twenty years ago, but um, if you've ever read Archie, this is sort of this is like classic stuff. Um, you know, Reggie and, and and all those all the guys are there freaking out now that all the girlfriends want to get married too because because Archie and Veronica are engaged and Betty's freaking out. And next issue is the wedding ceremony, and the third issue apparently is the kids. So we're rocketing forward down memory lane. <laughs> wow. <Or> up memory <laughs> lane. Uh, issue four will be retirement. Five will be arthritis, and six will be death. <laughs> Don't forget um, osteoporosis. Right. Oh yeah. Dementia. So, so, our, so our Archie six oh six will be the last one. Well, it's a six part story in the true in the true trade form. 
Uh, part part one of six, so I'm in. I'm in for the whole, for the long haul. The six <laughs> in issues. Wow, I'm gonna wait for the trade on this one. I think. <laughs> do they do even tra- even did... Josie and the Pussycats are in this one? Everybody. Oh, really? I love Josie and the Pussycats. I really. I'm do. gonna wait for the movie. I think I'm gonna wait for the movie to come out. Then I'll. <laughs> yeah, they're gonna get it. Josie and the Pussycats to play the wedding too. <laughs> so it's all very exciting. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Archie gets a job at Veronica's father's company as a vice president or something. Oh, because... of course, of course, research. Fucking well, nepotism. Yeah, <laughs> I swear to God, this is why a man can't get ahead in this world. Well, you got you got to mar- you got to be the deadbeat guy marrying a rich guy's daughter, so he's got he doesn't want his daughter to be poor, so he's got to give you a job. So was it so was it as big of a milestone book as the hype was around it? I mean, did you? Feel well, it? I mean, it, it's it, it was obviously clearly never going to be the real story. You yeah. know what I mean? Everybody was like, "Well, it's just going to be a dream." Well, no shit. It's, it's, <laughs> Archie's not going to get married. It's it's he's the he's the eternal teenager. Yeah. Uh, it's, he's not going to get married or have kids. But it is his dream story. And well, the thing I I don't like is when they ignore reality in Archie books. I think <laughs> canon is important. I think, <laughs> I think realistic characteristics are important. Um, I can't carry on with this. <laughs> All right. So anyway, um, so X Factor number forty seven. Um, I was reading X Factor, and uh, and this issue made me realize that um, that o- over the probably the past twenty issues or so, Peter David like it's no longer the noir book that it started with, or whatever, and it's actually now I think the closest to a modern, mature, little touches of sci fi X book that I would want. Is it getting canceled? Uh, that's the rumor. Rumors that are that are that might be getting canceled. Um, some vague uh, comments by Peter David on some message boards uh, recently, but um, that notwithstanding, um, I, which is it's a shame because because this issue is really good and it's like and Peter David's he's he's got Jamie Madrox in the future with Layla trying to help the the future kind of mutant cause, but in the present, you know, si- uh, Siren and Longshot and and Strong Guy and Richter and everybody are dealing with. This threat, this this kind of guy who seems to this cortex guy who seems to take over people and turn them into like this kind of purpley kind of robot-y thing and, and controls them. And you're starting to see that the two are the two are connected. Uh, what's going on in the future is connected to what's going on in the present. Um, and he brought back, you know, he brought back Trevor Fitzroy, which was a villain that was introduced when you know twenty, you know, geez, twenty years ago when Claremont and when the when the relaunch happened, when the adjective list and uncanny uh, launch happened. And in a really kind of clever and smart way, like at the end of the book, I said that I'm like, you know, this is the X Men book I want to be reading, um, and you know, with an interesting, too bad. yeah, too bad indeed. Well, we'll see. It's not, it's not for sure. But I just thought, it, I just thought that was really interesting how he's how Peter David has evolved this book to the point where it's you know went from that noir kind of crime kind of thing that we that that hooked us in so so much kept the same look and feel but has brought in slowly brought in science fiction slowly brought in you know x-men kind of uh history and future and stuff like that and in a way that that is just like i mean this is a really good issue i mean this is probably the best of the x-books right now so um so yeah in one in one way in another way maybe not because it isn't selling enough well, yeah, well, yeah, but that, yeah. It's funny because, like, everything you did, I'm very happy that you like the book, but, all, like, all those changes, you described to me perfectly the reason that I stopped reading it. Fair enough. Because, I, you know, because I don't want to read an X-Men book, right. so that would make sense. When I, yeah. was, when I started, that was a long time ago. Right. Now the, but, but, the, he's, but he's also doing, but, but, but you're putting that negative, you know, X-Men connotation of just, like, oh, lots of con- story and continuity and, and history and stuff like that. And that's not, he's really not doing that. He's just telling good stories that happen to be in that universe. You know, and he's, he's telling them in a way, he's telling them in a way that are easy to understand and that are, you know, like, I don't really think you need to, you need to be an X-Men fan, whatever, to be reading and enjoying this. It's just, you know, like, because the, the, some of the science fiction elements are are there they're just done in a in a guise of mutant stories yeah yeah but but i was reading it for a long time and it wasn't that i said oh it took a while this is i wasn't like this is an x-men book i don't want to read this i stopped liking it yeah no it took a while it took a while to get to this point that's why i found it interesting i mean this is this is a development in the past year as far as Mm -hmm. i'm concerned you know where where this kind of you know you know kind of uh course direction change that that he's done um, but yeah, it's it's really good, and the art was really pretty. And there's a great characterization of a future Doctor Doom who's uh, who's in a wheelchair, and he's uh, completely his mind is is gone, and he sees in, in his in, in his head he thinks he's the ruler and everybody worships him, but in reality he's this frail kind of guy in a wheelchair. And it's funny how he bounces between the two. So. Couldn't even frail old Doom come up with a rocket chair? No, <laughs> no, it's a, I don't, I, it's a stark, I don't it's a stark future. It's a stark future. There's not a lot going. You know, it's it's not a lot going for him. So. 
I don't see him. I don't see him rolling around with rusty old wheels. At the very least, a couple of doom bots to carry him in a sedan chair or something. Well, it's funny because they, they, there's the, there's a two page um, there's a two page uh, kind of two two splash pages where they his hit where Doom was living was attacked by Sentinels and so Madrox and Layla and the other you know X many kind of people are are getting him away. And on one page is what Doom sees in his head and where he's in one of those like canopies that people carry on their shoulders, you know, like you know, like that. Um, and there's like. Uh, flower petals along the ground, and there are people cheering and flags, and there's a kid in a doom mask, and right, and then you turn the page, and it's he's in the little wheelchair, and there's a minivan, and it's all dark, and like, it's just like he's having a lot of fun with this idea of what Doom thinks is going on versus what really is going on. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Doom's Doom's Alzheimer's is incredibly enjoyable for him. Yeah. Uh, now, now I saw a conversation in the thread for Ex Machina, uh, saying that 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 issue fifty is the final issue, or, or supposed to be, and I- and I. It sort of returned to me. I was like, "Oh right, it is supposed to end," yeah. and there was a there was a time for it. This was so the, and this was the first issue where I got a sense of that. Yeah, it's yeah. Just issue number forty four, <laughs> um, and, and this this book doesn't come out as often as we would like. And it's funny because when issue fifty comes out, that might be all the Brian K. Vaughn we get for a while. <laughs> and that, that's gonna, that's going to be in four years. But um, th- they laid a lot out in this issue, and I'm sure. That at some point uh, in the last year or so, he's uh, looking, he's hearing about what's happening in Green Lantern, and thought, "Ugh, maybe I should have rolled that out sooner." <laughs> These colors, really. <laughs> yeah, maybe maybe we should have laid the seeds for this a, a year or two ago. Uh, but but what we find out in this is that the green power that gives Mayor Hundred his ability to speak with and communicate to machines. Uh, is only one part of a spectrum, and there's a purple. <laughs> with, there's a there's a purple that deals with animals, and a white that that does mind control, and possibly some others. Uh, and it's all preparation for an alien invasion, um, which really makes you very aware of the coloring in the book. Yes, because there's a scene uh, they're celebrating the 2005 New Year's. And there's confetti all over the place, and all the pieces of confetti are one of those colors. There's red and the green, and it's the same, it's the same shade yep. as you go through it. And the, um, and, the, and the button the button to push the ball down is, is, the, is the pinkish kind of color. Yeah. 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 The, co- the um, colors on the cover were beautiful. There yeah. was a saturation level on the cover that was really nice. And, and, that, and that has to do with the story. You know, in the, in that way, with you know, because he 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 suited up last time in his new uh, fangled uh, uniform without the hockey helmet, Lobster Johnson and, uniform. Yeah, um, it, it was it was a good issue. It's 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 funny that like this is like after all this time, like this is the reveal. It's kind of like oh, there's, I, I there's know. I was like I was like a couple pages in. I was like oh, so we're gonna start telling this story. Yeah, <laughs> I was. Uh, I just, I was fine with the government politics. Yeah, <laughs> well, and, and so so part of the story hinges on this white box that that um, that uh, Mayor Hunter built back during the election that he didn't know what it does, um, and and it it comes back to the forefront now, and and it it ends up breaking on on this woman who then gets the white kind of power on her head, similar to how Mayor Hunter has the green power, and um, and that's the, like you said mentioned mind control power, and there's also this great you know automaton pink purple box body that's led by this pink purple box head which is which was a great scene um mm. i don't know, i just thought it was really really good and i did i did laugh though um in the flashback to when he's running for the election um i think it's on the it's on the second page he there's all these um posters of his uh, mayoral mayoral campaign and and there's one poster that he's standing in front of <laughs> that, that, where it shows the one uh, world trade center tower and the text says still standing and mayor hundred's head is in front of the second word but i'm pretty sure it says still standing assholes <laughs> which i was like if that's what he used to run for mayor i would have voted for him too you know like, <laughs> yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> he would have won by a landslide yeah, exactly that's what it says right i mean like... <laughs> i assume so air holes uh <laughs> what else it could be it was very funny uh, yeah but there's like a whole conspiracy thing here that's sort of from out of no not conspiracy but like a whole backstory that's that's been here all along and it's and what's even more so is that the girl the journalist who get hit by the the white power yeah. that's his ex-girlfriend so there's going to be some stuff there yeah and and she's accusing him of using the white box to throw the election and and so it's tying with the politics but it turns out there's so much there's much more going on which so. seems possible also you're yeah. like oh maybe yeah. that is the case but uh it was it was a it was a good issue i'm yeah. i'm it's probably time for this book to end. I, I'd be okay with that. Yeah. So they're wrapping this whole thing up in six issues. That's the rumor. I haven't checked on that. I'm sure someone knows, like Brian Vaughn or Tony Harris. 
They might well, know. It's all right. I I hope it, it. it might be six issues. It'll take a year and a half. Yeah. So, uh, listen, eventually uh, these issues are going to come out and, and you can have one sent to you every nine to 12 months uh, if you were to subscribe through Discount Comic Book Service. And you would get a good discount on it is what I'm saying. Uh, they have monthly specials that started up to 75% off with 40% off the major publishers. You get a flat rate shipping of $5.95 for all U.S. orders. You can buy anything in previews. There are over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock and ready to be shipped out to you. You can track your orders online. Get yourself to www.dcbservice.com, and we want to thank Discount Comic Book Service for sponsoring the show. Uh, they do a good service for most of the people out there who try it. Excellent. So uh, Blackest Night rolls on. A little, a little quieter this week, though. Which is fine. Yeah. <laughs> so Blackest, <laughs> Blackest Night Superman number one, uh, with, uh, written by James Robinson with art by Eddie Barrows. And I, 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 I like this Barrows guy. You know, he he did a bunch of issues of, of 52, and they were like, they were okay. Yeah. And then when he showed up and did Action Comics with Greg Rucka um, for a little while, I was like, well, this guy's good. And then he went off that pretty quickly, and that, then he's showing up here again. Um, he, he's, he, he's really good at, at big, full-page kind of things. As you look at, like, the, the zombie Superman uh, going after Connor and sort of gets spread over two pages yep. uh, with panels all around it at the same time. Um, one of the other things. It was that's a really great page. One of the other things I really liked was um the the I think this has been in other books but I can't remember uh the like the spectrum that they see yeah, people th- through. Yeah, this this was the yeah. most this is the most I think in all the books that we we've, we've seen gl- glimpses of this in the other books but this is the most time where so you got you know black you know Black Lantern Superman is Kal-El from Earth 1, right? Um the the older Superman who died. There are two Superman. Earth, Earth 2 Superman, I'm sorry. And um and so as he's fighting Superman and 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 Superboy um, you see, you see him looking at them from his uh, his point of view, and but with the color spectrum. So when they're afraid, they're color yellow, and the the black kind of lantern caption balloon says fear. And then you know, at one point, you know, Superman's got fear and love, and then you know, and it just it's really cool to see how the different emotions, like the uh, the, the two page spread that you're talking about when uh, Black right. and Superman goes after Superboy. At the very bottom of it, there's a, sh- uh, a a small panel of Superman going after him, and he's got fear, will, rage, hope, love all at once, and it's just like, that was great. Yeah, yeah really. Cool. This is a great device, and this is the best they've used. It, as. Yep. it was really interesting to see the different ways who was split and how many emotions were going through people at the same time. It was a really, really nice way to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just a really enjoyable tie-in. Uh, you know, out of the thing where there's tons of tie-ins, they've still, they've got the main guys doing them, and, and, I, and I just really, I, I dug this issue a lot. It was, it was quite enjoyable. It's good to see that um, Black Lantern Lois is continuing um, Lois of Earth 2's horrible fashion sense. Listen, well, the dead cannot be blamed for what they wear. <laughs> They're buried in. <laughs> or perhaps it's a bad jumpsuit. Bad jumpsuit. Once, and once again, James Robinson really loves crypto. Yes. <laughs> really, really likes crypto. And I'm fine with that. <laughs> hey, one thing I heard more people talking about this week than, than ever was people were in love with Power Girl uh, number four. Power Girl number four was my pick of the week, and it's slowly becoming my favorite book or one of my favorite books. So I was thinking about it as I was reading this issue. This is the book whenever I see it on the list, I get really excited and and having it read this issue, it was, um, it's, it's like in my top five, maybe. Even. It's just, it's a really fun old school superhero action book that doesn't tie into anything else. It's self-contained. The art is beautiful from Amanda Connor. Um, it's funny. It's exciting. Power Girl's a really cool character. They're really fleshing her out here. Um, it's every. I didn't expect this at all. This was a book I originally bought on the Lark, and now I'm really, really enjoying it a lot. Well, there you go. I didn't. Yes. <laughs> I didn't read it. I, I bought the first issue, and I keep forgetting to to go back and buy issue two, three, and now four. So you, you could skip two and three, just go right to four because four starts a new storyline. Oh yeah, okay. Oh, there you go. So if you've been thinking about checking it out, one of the things that I think you notice is that Jimmy Palmiotti writes. And this is Justin Gray, also, right? It's not just yeah, him. Uh, yeah, it's both. Okay, well, and they're all. I think they do almost everything together. Like none of their stories are the same as one another. You know what I mean? Like, like it's not like you can, you can like, well, these guys do really good superhero stories or this or whatever. Like, but they attack all of those different kinds of genres with 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 a with a new gusto, and it's really it's really fun to watch sometimes. Um, a, a a book that came out this week from Archaea, um, it was uh, Days Missing Number One. Now, this is I don't know what it is. It has something to do with Gene Roddenberry's company legacy. I don't know what exactly. But that's not really the point. Uh, this came out as 99 cents, script by Phil Hester and art by Fraser Irving. Fraser Irving, you may remember from. He's good. Oh, 
Yeah, he's very good. He did uh, uh, Seven Soldiers. Yes, he did, and he did the, that that like pilgrims trapped in a whale thing that did never finished Gutsville, Gutsville, and he did some Hellblazer, and he did like a, a uh, Iron Man story, Joe Casey. Yeah, so uh, the Witch Boy arc, um, yeah. really interesting uh, style of art that you, that you don't see all that often, but I really like when I do. This is like a story of uh, very briefly. It's like a it's like an immortal kind of man, and he finds himself in in Swaziland as like this really horrible disease is breaking out, and he goes and he finds the king of the country and and talks about when he was talking to Hammurabi. Um, <laughs> it's it's an, an interesting story about sort of like trying to help humanity get past this epidemic. Um, really, really like thoughtful script. Uh, if, if you remember, we talked about the the Witchblade books that that uh, Phil Hester did. Um, and, and how the, those scripts were really, really quite good. Um, and this, this has that sort of feeling like the, it's, he's a really good writer that the people don't talk about all that much. And the Fraser Irving art is really nice too. So, so check it out. It's, uh, it's, there's five of these. Um, and this one's 99 cents. The next one's drawn by, um, uh, uh, uh Chris Burnham, sorry. And, um, written by David Hine. So I, I guess it's sort of a slight anthology kind of thing, but for a buck, it's definitely worth checking out something from a small press, something different. The new Batgirl, Stephanie Brown. <laughs> Wait, spoilers. I had that totally spoiled for me, and I'll tell you what I did. I, somebody said something on Twitter about it, and I clicked on it, and it was a review from our website. And the little thing, and I don't know why I did this, and like it said, spoiler warning. And I was like, click. And then in the first <laughs> sentence, it said the spoiler. And I was like, wait a minute, I didn't want to know that. But I clicked spoiler <laughs> warning. I just, I went, I'm so used to clicking right through that that I didn't even. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Isn't she dead? Uh, no, well, she no. was dead a while back, and she came back. Oh, yeah. um, I don't read these fakes. <laughs> She's been ba- ever since. Ever since she came back, they've been really mishandling her character. It's time for redemption. I'm, t- I'm ready for her to be brought back in the forefront. Who's writing it? Brian Q. Miller, who I've never heard of. Oh, interesting. The Q stands for quality. <laughs> when was it good? It was a good issue. Yeah, it was good. It was solid. She he's a really good characterization of sort of a college age girl who's not the typical superhero. Like she's sort of. She doodles a lot. She doodles like, you know, little bat logos, and she's she's not like the grim, determined sort of hero. She's a teen. She's a teenager in college, and she's also a Batgirl. So, cool. It's it's sort of the uh, the it's a different kind of take, and it's it's it seems like they're making this kind of the legacy to Bat Birds of Prey because Barbara's in it, and looks like Barbara's going to be a character in it. Um, going to be sort of a mentor character. Um, Cassandra Kane, the old Batgirls, end up briefly giving the mantle over to Spoiler. Doesn't really make a clear why. I'm assuming we'll find out more later. I don't really have a much of a of a. I like Cassandra Kane's book. It was fun, but I don't have much of a connection to her other than that. I you know I grew up on Barbara Gordon, so I don't mind seeing new Batgirls. I liked her book a while. I remember her book was good in the beginning. It was really really good in the beginning, and it sort of petered off by the end. Yeah. Yeah. Then it got oh that was yeah I forgot about that. What happened to her? She was evil, right? She went evil for then, a while because her father was was Kane, the master assassin. So they they played right. with making her evil. And they just sort of lost what to do with her by the, for the last couple of years. And by the, for the last couple of years, she's been a sort of a non-entity, even though she's been around. She was in the Outsiders book for a while. I just didn't really care what they did about her story anymore. I think her story was done. So yeah, time I for agree. a new story. It was good. It was it was solid. Pick it up. Number one, Becco. All right. So uh, Wolverine Weapon X number four. Uh, Jason Aaron, Ron Garney. Um, there's a moment in here that was just I got to give Jason Aaron credit for. Um, so basically, this is continuing the storyline of uh, the, this this weird kind of group with the glowy green claws and Wolverine's chasing after them and um, conspiracy yada yada. We see Maverick, which is kind of always good to see. But um, the big climax is Wolverine's fighting like the, the the one of the main dudes with the green glowy claws, and they're having this big fight across the city. And they fall off an overpass and they land and they're fighting and then they they're fighting and they both kind of stop and see that they're fighting in front of a school bus. And full of kids looking at the window kids. at them. Yeah, and so they both look at the school bus, and they just both sheathe their claws. And then one guy says, where? And Wolverine goes, over there, off the street. And they just slowly walk, and they start talking. And, like, and then they get out of view of the school kids, and then they start fighting again. Yeah, that was a great, that was a great moment. It was a great, great moment. And then and Ron Garney, just it, there's a two-page fight spread of like yes. a, of a, a, gr- a panel of a square a, a grid of square panels, and then with a big kind of two-page splash page of Wolverine and the guy fighting, and it just it, it was this is how you choreograph a fight in comics. I mean, like the, you you got the sense of motion and time and the fight going on, but then you got the main gist of that the two guys just going at each other. Um, well, Garney killed this book. This was. Yeah. 
this is basically one long fight scene yeah. with with stuff going on in the B plot, but basically one long fight scene. And and if you're that if you're as good as Garni is as as storytelling and as, as and it's sort of a non is it non inked? Is that what the style is? Uh, no, it's well, seems, it seems well. There's no rougher, inker. There's like no I inker. Just, he's doing. I mean, he's he's listed as the artist. There's no inker. So maybe I think yeah. I think he's just coloring over his pencils, and it's sort yeah. of rougher, and it's it's a really nice feel. Um, he's he's a great storyteller, and it's, yeah. it was beautiful to look at, and it was fun. Jason Aaron does really int- intricate, interesting fight scenes. He doesn't. Yeah. They're never boring when he draw, he he writes them. But that's, um, that that school bus scene was great. I mean, just, it was great. Yeah, I mean, just it showed, sort of yeah. it told you a lot about the characters that yeah. you know in that one moment. Yeah. And, uh, so. I liked the that the, I liked the claws that popped out like a gun. Yeah, that was cool. That was a cool moment. What are you gonna do, Pop? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics, you can see all the comics that came out uh, this week, and you could do your pull list and rate and review them. And you can write reviews, and we love to highlight a couple of, of the, uh, the interesting reviews that came out this week. Um, so our first one comes from Rocking Geek, who uh, reviewed Hellblazer number two fifty eight and gave the story a five out of five and the art a five out of five. And one point eight percent of the people made this their pick of the week. And Rockin' Geek says, I hope for more horror, suffering, and cursed ways. I hope, it on- I hope it to only exist in fiction. I hope it to cleanse our world of it all. I hope for everybody to stop and start reading. And that's just an excerpt of a very well-poetic review written by Rockin' Geek. Um, Josh, did you like Hellblazer as much as this guy? I damn well did. Yeah. I got it. I mean, uh, Pete Milligan is – I have not been a big fan of his work for, for a long time. Um, but, and I was so worried when he came onto this book because I'd, I'd so enjoyed the Andy Diggle run before it, but every issue has been fantastic since he's been on and he's just, he does this book really, really, really well. Giuseppe Camicoli is a fantastic artist. Uh, and this has been one of those stories where, and for me, the best John stories, uh, best uh, have always been the ones where he's, uh, you know, involved with a relationship with somebody. So he has something real, you know, in the world to grab onto as opposed to just going for himself and it puts him at odds with himself a lot. And in this, you know, he's been dating this girl um, for a while, and and uh, it's it it doesn't end well, and it never does with him. Um, and it's it's really kind of crushing. And at the same time, you feel bad for John, but you're also pissed at him because he he made the decisions he did. You know, in a way that's not unlike if you you know like The Sopranos, like you 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 rooted for Tony, but ultimately he was a bastard. And it's a, it's a lot like that. Um, really great stuff. So yeah, he's right. Five out of fives all around. This book book is teaching you to love. <laughs> Put aside your prejudices. Well, I don't see that, but yeah, that's oh because of Pete Milligan. Yes. Well, uh, Greek Street is. There's no joy in that book. No joy. <laughs> James Seals reviewed Star Trek Spock Reflections number two and gave the story a two out of five, and the art a three out of five and. Nobody anywhere made it their pick of the week. <laughs> and James Seals says, When I reviewed the previous issue, I equated it to Batman Begins, starring Mr. Spock. This was due in large part to the series' use of linear v. nonlinear. Yes. That's weird. Linear v. nonlinear approach to narrative as the writers, Scott and David Tipton, attempted to reconcile the various threads and reinterpretations of the title's characters' past to create a cohesive whole. Yet, there is one crucial element that's missing. Batman Begins works... Since each sequence, regardless of whether or not it is set in the past or the present, serves to progress the central narrative along to its final outcome. Here, this is not the case. The sequence is set in the present serves nothing more than a means to connect these otherwise unrelated vignettes together. We are given no sense that this is building to something greater, at least in terms of where the central plot is concerned. Rather, Spock's return to Earth is a transparent writer's convention to give us an excuse to explore his past with little to no consequence in the here and now. And that's just one excerpt of the extremely long, detailed review that James Seals wrote about this book, which I found fascinating because he really didn't like it. <laughs> Listen, will you please, people, just get a life? <laughs> Sorry. No, but I thought it was just because a lot because when looking at the reviews on iFanboy, you know, some you know some not you know everybody has a different kind of style, and some are kind of more short and to the point. But when I saw this review, it just went several scrolls down and it was like wow he took well a lot it's always of time. better to say yeah. why you don't like something exactly, right exactly exactly a review a review that says this sucked yep. doesn't do anything but at least we now know why james didn't like this book yep exactly and in much and more detail if you go on the site and find it's his well yeah. this has been the highest roddenberry quotient percentage of a show ever this is a huge roddenberry quotient you're right with shirts off oh, but i'm taking off my shirt we're fighting i want to do a flying kick at you so go to ifanboy.com forward slash comics and rate and review your comics and we'll get one of your reviews on the show and talk about it. He's always doing those flying kicks, Kirk. <laughs> Speaking of Star Trek. 
You can watch Kirk's Flying Kicks at Netflix. They got over 100,000 titles, including lots of Star Trek titles. With no late fees, free shipping both ways, Blu-ray titles, fast delivery. Majority of their shipments ship within one day of your putting in your queue. Plans start from 4 dollars If you go to www.netflix.com slash iFanboy, you can get a two-week free trial. And then you can get Star Trek streaming over your internet right to your TV. Doesn't get any better than that. Josh has been doing that, right, Josh? I think I did like six or seven issue episodes, and then uh, I haven't been back in a little bit. Yeah, you should go back. I'm watching Friday Night Lights now. Right, as you said. Central stops. narrative. Central narrative really helps me go from one to the next. <laughs> There's a continuing story. That'll get you. All right. So on to the emails. Our first email comes from Tom from New York. who says, hey, guys, great show as always. I was away on vacation, so I'm running a week behind in the shows, so forgive me if someone pointed this out already. But the elevated train that Peter Parker jumps off to get back to Forest Hills isn't the F train. It's the Forest Hills Long Island Railroad Station on Continental Avenue, not far from where they filmed the scenes from the first movie. A pretty good likeness, too, with the city skyline in the distance. Nitpicky, I know, but you guys are right. The E and the F train is underground in Forest Hills. And a Long Island Railroad Queens commuter? Tom. I know that because I lived two blocks from Continental Avenue for six years. Right, I know, but I, I didn't know it was the. I thought we thought it was a subway station. I didn't know it was a Long Island. Well, because it doesn't station. identify it. They right. they're always having them jumping off trains. So yeah. So. Did you guys know that I can guess within a ninety eight percent accuracy what sort of pants Tom was wearing when he wrote this? <laughs> oh, be nice. <laughs> they, they have stripes on them. <laughs> I, I, I can all. I can virtually guarantee it. <laughs> They had stripes. I tell you, this week I had to go to my local shop in Queens, and I went in. I only had to get six books, and they only had two of them. Ugh. Like, I never go there anymore. But it was like 100 degrees, and it was late, and I had to get something. Yeah. What, did they, what did they not have? Uh, anything. They didn't have Blackest Night <laughs> Superman. They didn't have the Superman Annual. They didn't have Jack of Fables, and they didn't have Hellblazer. Um, yeah. They had Marvel books, though, but I didn't need those. John. Wrote, gentlemen, I like listening to, your, listening to you guys, but I have a few questions. You ready, guys? Ready yep. for your questions? A few. Number one. We'll do one at a time. Number one. You guys don't like Ed Bennis, but seem to love Mark Bagley and Ron Garney. How does that work? Ed ben- Bennis blows them away. Well, well, first off, you know, it's, it's preference and it's choice, but I, I, I don't mind Ed Bennis. I like Ed Bennis. You're, you're, Connor, you're the one who doesn't like Ed Bennis. Don't lump like us all. Just because one of us has an opinion doesn't mean all three of us share it. That's true. Yeah. I don't really like any of those guys. <laughs> Art works for different people in different ways. I guess that's Art the, is personal. Exactly. And de- yeah. and depending on, on what it is you started with, what you really liked when you first started reading comics, that has a lot to do with it. But there's also a subtext here to this question that, that, that Connor, you're wrong. Yeah, well. Because apparently but if, but it if, blows them away. So, But if, <laughs> if you're just wrong, then how can we know this guy is not just wrong too? Right. Oh, oh. There are no absolutes in art. You just blew my mind. Except for the fact that Ron Garney is awesome. That's Ron Garney is awesome. Josh, you stupid. Jock. What is wrong with Marvel coloring? You guys seem to hate it. I've never seen what bothers you guys so much. <laughs> it's so it, well. It's not. It's, it's not, overdone. It's, it's, it's not. It's not. Mar- it's not Marvel coloring as a whole because there's a lot of colorists like like Matt Hollingsworth on Daredevil. Amazing. Great. Like they're, they're, Dave Stewart on on Marvel's project. Yeah, exactly. Like they, they do. They, the thing is, they have different people working on on different books, and that there's a. You'll see that there a, a large number of the lower tier tier selling books go to these other colorists who aren't as established or as good or as whatever as previous colorists and they're using they're embracing digital coloring a lot more and it's the byproduct ends up being this you know oversaturated muddy thing that some you know color that looks great on a computer screen but might not print very well i mean the ultimates three was the prime example of this and that you know on the screen joe mattiera's art looked great colored but when that then when that got printed it was just looked like somebody smeared shit on paper yeah it's muddy so. No, it was muddy. You couldn't see what was happening. And, exactly. And the also example we'd look to is when Jamie McKelvey did that X-Men issue yep. where they totally rendered the hell out of his art and made it – you lost everything that's good about his art. You lost it because they, they overcolored it. Right. Like, like the, color, they, the colorist shouldn't be adding uh, a, a 5 o'clock shadow to a character. Let the artist do that. Yeah. You know? and, and also like some art really calls for more of a flat color. Yep. yep. Uh, you know, where there's just, there's just less texture. Um, you think about – uh, like the new frontier, like that would have looked silly if they tried to color it the same way that they color JLA. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of what what's going. You don't ever see that at Marvel uh, happen happen all that often. So sometimes less is more. And I think that it's a, it's a house style at Marvel. It's not in every book, but it's on it's on you know some of them where you notice it where it it interferes more than maybe it should. Yeah. 
So. And finally, thought balloons are bad because dot 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 question mark. I've never said thought balloons are bad. I love, I love thought balloons. balloons. Yeah, love them. Love them. I've said it. And why? Well, no, I, some, I don't know. Sometimes because I think you haven't seen them in a long time, so it feels like a, a relic of times past. Now that's either a good thing or a bad thing depending on what. But again, we didn't all say that. So you know what? Here's what I'll say. I can't stand the way that most Marvel cover covers are drawn. Interesting. I don't. I don't oh, yeah, like they're that. Boring. Marvel covers are boring. Yeah, and they don't. They, they don't depict what's going on in the book either. It's a they're painterly style. That's, oh, it's don't, don't get me started on the painting. I mean, and that's a whole other thing. I mean, it's going to come out when when Bendis is Daredevil. The list comes out because that's being that that whole book is being done by Marco Derjevic, and who's fine. But I just I'm not excited. I don't like painted sequential story art telling for some reason. I don't know. Unless unless it's Alex Ross. No, I don't. I'm even over Alex Ross. Like I, I like yeah, that at a time. I, I mean, he served a purpose with Marvels and Kingdom Come, but beyond that, I'm done. You know. So. Well, on one hand, like it's like all Marvel books kind of look like like you can tell what a Marvel book is, and so that's good that they have like a, a brand style. But like, it's not my favorite style. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's very. But. I agree. So, um, so if you have a question, uh, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com. And so <laughs> we didn't make that guy feel any better. Sorry. He's still mad at us. <laughs> but the thing is, like he said, he said we, what we didn't read. He said he's been reading comics for 20 years. He has some knowledge himself, but I just don't get you guys sometimes. And you know what? I don't get us sometimes either. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's all opinion. Everybody's opinion is different. It's all opinion. Yes, exactly. Trust me. It's all interpretation. You think I have, a hard, I have a hard enough time understanding these two guys, much less any, any the rest these of two you, These two jamokes. Really, that's a really good point. I yeah. hate half the books that Ron loves. Yeah, that's exactly. important. Yeah. So, and I, I, hate, hate I hate half the books you like. I, yeah, I just hate Josh. That's good. Books, <laughs> that's true. not books, whatever. Whatever it is. All right, so on to the voicemail. Our, uh, our first voicemail speaks for itself. Hey guys, my name's Mark Hoffman. I live in uh, Weezer, Idaho. Yes, just like the band, just spelled different. Uh, small town. Uh, just got into comics here this last at the end of last year. Uh, raised around X Men and stuff like that, so I've pretty much been into Marvel. Uh, just heard about you guys off of uh, Around Comics uh, in your podcast. Watched just probably about all of them. I just had a quick question about your uh, Green Lantern. Sorry, I'm a cop and I'm on duty, and the radio's going off. But I had a, uh, I, I ordered a bunch of those books you guys talked about about the rebirth and all those Green Lantern books, and I kind of wanted to know where do you kind of learn about? I guess rebirth, he's being brought back because he he died. Where do you actually find that he? What books did he die in? Because I kind of like to read not really the old, old stuff, but maybe some of the other stuff. I uh, just want you guys to know I love the show. You guys are really bringing me into some comics I've never heard of, and I appreciate it. You guys take it easy. Bye. Well, for one hand, uh, Mark, thank you for calling in, but two, shouldn't you be doing something? <laughs> it sounds as if... I mean, you know, far be it from... You know, thank you, but... I don't know what those codes meant. Maybe it was just lunchtime. I don't know. <laughs> You're on duty. Can you – can you – I could just see because he just started reading it. Can you see him like sneaking his books into the locker room? Like what's that? Nothing. Nothing. Just puts it on and then fastens his gun belt. How about that game? I confiscated it from some punk kids. <laughs> they're, just, they're on the dashboard of the cruiser. You know, <laughs> he's sitting there with the radar gun in one hand and the comic in another hand. Man, they're not giving me any tickets lately. Can we go on a ride-along? I want to go on a ride-along. <laughs> that would be a fun ride-along. <laughs> Talk about Green Lantern. Uh, hey, is that a fire over there? No, no, don't worry about it. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that guy's got a big bag with a money sign on it and a gun. He's running. I just got to finish this issue. <laughs> <laughs> Wait for it. Oh, extra content. It's going to be a minute. <clears throat> so... Uh, <laughs> He asked a question. Which, yes. Which, uh, yes. Connor? You can find – here's the basic history of Hal Jordan. Hal Jordan went crazy when his city was destroyed by Mongol in the Death of Superman storyline. So he went nuts. He became Parallax, the evil Parallax. He was defeated in the Zero Hour story, which is best everyone forgets. And he came back in a miniseries in 1996 called Final Night where the sun was dying and, and everybody was just going to die because without, without the sun we're screwed. And he sacrificed himself to reignite the sun. 
And that's when he died and he became the specter, the spirit of judgment from, you know, God's spirit of judgment or vengeance, you, spirit of vengeance. And then you, he be, that led into Rebirth in 2000. You could go back five, and read that stuff, I suppose. Yeah, you could. Well, Final, Final Night Final wasn't Night. that bad. And also Stuart Eminem art. Yeah, Eminem, I, remember, Eminem. I remember a shot of Superman and Batman on, on top of the Daily Planet and snowing. Yeah, because there yeah. was no more sun. Yeah, it was a good mini, and it was it was fun and really great old school Stuart Eminem art, which he was doing the kind of realistic style he did before yeah. he changed over to the cartoony style, and and it was fun. Final Night would be the one you'd get. I don't know if it's collected or not, but it was a mini that you could probably find in discount bins because it, it's one of those late '90s they overprinted minis. But yeah, um, oh yeah, Final Final Night. That's where he died. And you can check that out. And Final Night leads into the Spectre time, which leads into um, 05 and Rebirth. And please and don't. In the middle of there is all those Kyle Rayner books. Those what books? Anyway. Yeah, exactly. So, and please, if you're on duty, just call after you get on duty. <laughs> Off duty, I mean. Just, call when like, you got a perp in the backseat. Yeah. I, I, I can't imagine Weezer, Idaho is a hotbed of criminal. Like, it's not like he's, he's on a sting. Good point. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he is. You don't know that. Maybe they got a huge meth problem. Anyway, so our next voicemail comes from. Has got a question about. Has <laughs> got a question about villains. Hey guys, this is Jeff from Clayton, Ohio. I had a question here. I know that uh, DC Comics has in the past given some of their villains their own um, their own uh, series. I know that Joker and Harley Quinn and uh, and uh, at least one other one, Eclipso, has all have all gotten their own uh, comic book series. They were ongoing and not just a uh, miniseries. I wonder if Marvel has ever done the same. I know the Thunderbolts were out there and still are, but has anyone ever had like a Stone Throne solo series and has it lasted long at Marvel? On DC, they haven't lasted too long. Uh, just curious. Uh, thanks a lot, guys. Look forward to uh, keep listening and uh, reading on the, on the website. Thank you very much. Well, Marvel has done it um, most um, currently right now. There's a lot of uh, villains with the Dark Reign storyline. I mean, the, the, there's Dark Reign the Hood, there's Dark Reign Mister Negative, Dark Reign Zodiac. You know, like there's a lot of kind of you know kind of gray area kind of characters. Um, Those are Avengers. minis, not series. They're, they're minis, not ongoings. But um, but in the '90s, they did they gave Venom an ongoing. But what they, what Marvel tends to do is when they'll take a villain and try to redeem him, give him some hero heroic quality when they give him an and ongoing. Make him boring. Exactly. Um, DC's done it more often um, with giving the villains more you know more of their own kind of titles and that sort of thing. Um, but even then, DC the DC stuff kind of gets morally ambiguous. I guess there's never you know no, nobody wants to read a, a book just about someone being villainous. Well, maybe they do. No. I don't know. Boy, you know what I couldn't get enough of in the '90s? Venom. Yeah, exactly. I remember, I have Venom number one. It was that red holofoil cover. I have that. Yeah. Couldn't you couldn't go anywhere without fucking Venom everywhere? Yeah, no. I missed all that. Catwoman had a series for ninety issues, but, but she, she wasn't was a villain. Hardly, yeah. no, not at all. By yeah. by, in any of it, actually. Yeah, she was a thief. <laughs> yeah. But so yeah, so it's been done before. But DC, you're right. DC has done it a bit more. Marvel's done it here and there. I mean, the best example was the classic. I mean, not even the Thunderbolts now, which are just a pale in comparison to the classic Thunderbolts, which is villains posing as heroes. But even then, it was villains posing as heroes who then chose to redeem themselves and become heroes. You know, but so. some of because some of them stayed bad yeah. and some of them didn't. So that was a really nice yeah. conflict within the book. Yeah. Oh, Baron Zemo. Uh, I miss Baron Zemo. But I'll tell you, I'll tell you, Mark from Idaho, he's not going to put up with any of this shit. Stealing. <laughs> That's a villain. <laughs> We're not parsing terms here. The law is the law. He's going to slap I, some cuffs on you. Wait, hold on. It's Wednesday. Can I come back for you later? <laughs> Don't move. All right. So if you have any questions for us, you can give a call to the voicemail line at one eight 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 fanboys It's one eight 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 three two six two six nine seven. Man, on Wednesdays, you can just get away with anything. <laughs> it's going to be a crime wave. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, so in case you have noticed, this is our 198th episode. What? Yeah, I know. Well, so you know what's coming up? 199. 199, 199 exactly. 01. <laughs> two or two. <laughs> no. Uh, let's not get presumptuous. <laughs> so our 200th episode is approaching as much as I can't believe it. And? And to celebrate that, we are going to be, uh, we're going to be doing a live show in New York City. Um, for those of you who are in the New York City area that want to come out, um, we want to let you know that on September 4th, which is uh, Friday night, uh, the Friday of Labor Day weekend, um, we're going to be doing a live uh, Pick of the Week podcast at uh, Jim Hanley's Universe, our friends over there at Hanley's. 
um, on 33rd Street in New York City. So keep an eye out on ifanboy.com for the official announcement and timing and all that sort of stuff. Um, but we want to give everyone a heads up because I know Labor Day, people are traveling and things like that. So, but if you're in the New York area, we'd love to see you. Come out, see us do the show live. We'll hang out afterwards. It'll be a blast. Celebrate 200 episodes with us. Of you have plans with your family. You can cancel them. Exactly. It's totally worth it. See how much, how fat we've gotten. It's totally, it's good. <laughs> hey now. <laughs> hey now. That's fine. Hey, uh, get over to ifanboy.com. We will have an announcement up at some point about that event on the 4th of September. Um, you can also check out the written pick of the week review that Ron wrote and all of the in-book, in-depth comic book discussion about every single issue that comes out has a discussion under it. And uh, you can add, you go there, rate your books, pull your books, create a pull list, uh, all that stuff. And then the, not, not to forget the wonderful uh, original content that we try to get up there. Uh, all the time. So get over to ifanboy.com or get to ifanboy.com slash about to see all the links to our social networks and, and Twitter and, and all the stuff that goes on there and Facebook and stuff like that. Yes. And uh, and we do ifanboy, uh, ifanboy.com for you, the comic book uh, enjoying audience, and we do it all completely free. All the written content, the audio podcast, video podcast, everything like that. Um, but we do need your support. Uh, so uh, we have a great membership program. So if you go to ifanboy.com forward slash store, you can sign up to become a member for $4 a month or $42 a year. You get uh, some stickers and some buttons and a free comic. So the cost of a comic gets you a free comic. Um, and if you got a little more money to spend for 10 bucks a month or 100 bucks a year, you can get a T-shirt along with the buttons and stickers and the comic book um, as well. We thank everybody who signed up for a member. And really, you know, uh, kind of like NPR, kind of like things like that, your donations and your, your support helps keep us going. We really appreciate it. So uh, be sure to, uh, be sure to uh, if you haven't become a member, sign up for a member because you don't want to miss out some of the great giveaways. Uh, we gave away some original art from Mike Allred, signed books by Jeff Johns. we got a ton of giveaways coming up in September and October. So sign up now so you can be eligible. Um, and when you're at ifanboy.com forward slash store, make sure you pick up the uh, Power Responsibility t-shirt for $15, our limited edition uh, t-shirt that might be good if you like uh, spiders um, or up. not. Uh, shut up. Um, and also, we're happy to announce that uh, the Herm shirt that was that sold out so quickly last March, we're bringing it back. So uh, we're going to be taking pre-orders on the Herm shirt. We know ton- we've asked a ton of you if you wanted to buy the shirt. You said you did. So if you said you did, come and order one. Uh, go but I tell you what the <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back though was a guy named Herm. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was a guy named Herm. He wants the shirt, and we're like, "Well, yeah, well, we I don't do. blame him." So it's going to be available for pre-order on ifanboy.com forward slash store. So get your order in quickly. We're going to do another limited run. Uh, don't miss out this time. And every out. Wednesday, you can find our video show at revision3.com slash ifanboy or on TiVo the next day. And this past week, we had part three of our epic San Diego coverage, which is thankfully over. This coming week. We've got the last show from San Diego, but it's an interview show with Darwin Cook, just Darwin and Ron gabbing and rapping about events, the events of the day, <laughs> sitting on a stoop, bouncing a ball, playing some stickball, <laughs> drinking whiskey. How <laughs> awesome would that be, by the way? <laughs> yeah. And Mike, so Mike Romo does no dancing in this show. No dancing for Mike Romo. So now, <laughs> that we, now that you mentioned it, I may want to stick some of that in there. But Mike. you can go check that out next week. And you can email us at contact.fanboy.com. Call us 888-FANBOY, which is 326-2697 with any questions or comments. Maybe your, your email or voicemail will get on the show or on the video show or on the website. We, yes. use, we use all venues for our yes. for our messages and don't forget to help spread the word go to itunes write a review or tell your friends about it tell your comic book store about it help get the word out about ifanboy uh, tell them about the great membership program and the free giveaways and all that fun stuff uh we need your help to spread the word so uh let everyone know you know what we should do is we should send some stickers to um officer mark and then whenever he whenever he arrests so whenever he arrests somebody he just slides a sticker through and says hey when you're done done with your crime check the show out i want an ifanboy sticker on the cruiser because 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 nothing says fear and respect the law like the word fanboy. <laughs> let's let's be honest here. Yeah. By the way, in no way I mean to disrespect the uh, law enforcement of uh, Weezer, Idaho. And uh, so, if you see a Subaru going through there too fast, remember <laughs> with, I love New, you. with New York plates. Yeah. <laughs> He's gonna pull you over they, and be like, be they, like, "So you're from New York, huh?" A lot of murders. Oh, the jokes in New- aren't so funny now, are they? <laughs> yeah, a lot of uns- a lot of unsolved murders in New York, weren't there? <laughs> cops, cops, in no way uh, discriminate against New York plates in the Midwest at all. <laughs> no, it, it's never happened to me. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know your tail lights out. What crack? <laughs> <laughs> All right, so until next week, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. That was funny. I'm Josh. <laughs>
I'm just recycling <laughs> Simpsons jokes at that point. That's all we do, but they're funny. <laughs> That's the thing. Good thing you floated by this brothel. <laughs> <laughs>